Welcome to Holy Savior Sermons, bringing you the weekend sermons given at Holy Savior Church. Well, this morning we continue our series on Ruth, Better Than a Fairy Tale. I love the book of Ruth. There are so many layers in this story. There is so much death in this story that it speaks to our lives. Well, because it's Scripture, and Scripture is living and breathes life into us. And so as we read Scripture, as we dig into Scripture, you know, we go through those layers, and we see how it begins to shape our lives. Well, if you weren't here last week, you missed chapter 1 of Ruth. So we can kind of give you a little synopsis. But you can also go to holycv.org, go to our YouTube page there. You can watch the entire service or fast forward to the sermon. Or you can go and listen to it on the podcast. But let's give you just a brief synopsis of what we covered last week, how the events unfolded, because they kind of helped set things up for chapter 2. There was a severe famine in Bethlehem. And we meet this woman named Naomi and her husband and two boys. They're desperate to survive. So they do one of the unthinkables is they go to this place called Moab. And the Moabites and the Israelites, they were not on friendly terms. I don't know if you've ever had like a neighbor that you just don't get along with and you do everything you can to be honorary with each other, well, it's well beyond that. They had a history of hostility, of racial and ethnic hostility and hate towards one another. And yet so desperate is Naomi and her husband for them and their two boys to survive that they are willing to leave their home in Israel and to go live amongst the Moabites because there is food. Probably not Super Bowl Sunday food, But there's food. Really quick, how many of you go to the Super Bowl parties or have friends over or just do things for the food? That's the only reason I do it. I just, the food. Okay, anyways, back to our story. You know, uh, know, they're there, and while they're there, tragedy strikes. If a famine wasn't bad enough and living with the Moabites wasn't bad enough, Naomi's husband dies. So now she's raising her two boys, and... Then her two boys meet these Moabite women. They get married. They're settling into their new life in Moab. And then tragedy strikes again. Naomi's two boys die. And so Naomi is, with her dead husband and dead sons, is in a terrible position in this time and this culture. Because she is a motherless widow. She had no one to advocate for her. She was on her own and could be easily abused. So she turns to her two daughter-in-laws and says, look, there's food in Bethlehem again. The harvest is coming, and I'm going to go back home. But there's no place for you. It's going to be difficult for you to go there. You should just go back home. You're young. You can get remarried and start a new life. And one of the daughter-in-laws is like, Yeah, that sounds like a great idea. Love you, Mom. Good luck. See you later. But the other daughter-in-law, Ruth, Ruth does something unexpected. Ruth makes this commitment to Naomi, to her mother-in-law, and says, I will go where you go. Your people will be my people. Your God will be my God. Now, 
again, to put this in context, understand what this means for Ruth. This Ruth is a Moabite. And make sure you kind of got this in. The Moabites and the Israelites were not friends. And so she's going to go as a widow, a Moabite widow, seeing a young lady into a hostile environment where she can be physically abused, sexually abused. She can be racially and ethnically harassed. It will not be a good situation. Yet she's committed to go with Naomi. And chapter 1 ends, Naomi and Ruth are in Bethlehem, and the harvest is about to begin. And that leads us into chapter 2, and where we're going to launch off today. And today we meet the other main character in the story of Ruth, this guy named Boaz. Boaz, this is just a cool name, Boaz. I mean, it's just cool, I like it. Could have name, you know, I could have another son and name him Boaz. But, you know, Boaz, let's talk about Boaz. We're going to read the first few verses here together. And just, Bob did a great job rattling off that name. It's Elimelech. Just say it with me one time real quick. Elimelech. Elimelech. Okay. We'll say it fast enough and, and you'll get it close enough. But let's read Ruth chapter 2, verse 1 together. Naomi had a relative. He was from Elimelech's side of the family. He was a man of outstanding character named Boaz. There is so much right here that we should really kind of pull apart. We don't want to gloss over this. This guy from Elimelech's family, this guy named Boaz, he was a man of what? Outstanding character. This is important because Ruth happens during the time of the judges. And the judges, these were the rulers and leaders that God would put in place for the people before they had kings. And the time of the judges was a time when God's people often did whatever they wanted to do. They knew what God said. They knew how God called them to live, how God called them to live together. Yet they chose to do things their own way. They often disregarded one another and definitely disregarded God's call in their life. And so Boaz stands out. He is a man of outstanding character. So we already know there's something different about this guy, that something is going to happen. So Boaz, you know, comes in from Bethlehem to check on the harvest. You know, and I don't know how many of you grew up, you know, on, on a farm or had relatives in a farm. You know, I, I know that, you know, I've spent a few years, my early ministry in, in rural Nebraska and, you know, rode along with the farmers, even some of the old farmers, and, and they would love to check on the harvest or the crops as they were growing, you know, or even my father-in-law, you know, from Idaho, I had potatoes. I remember sometimes getting in and, and we'd watch, like, how are the potatoes doing or how are the soybeans doing, and we'd just kind of go along to see how things were going. So here is Boaz coming in from Bethlehem to check on the harvest, And Boaz shows up. The first thing he does again, because he's a man of what? Outstanding character. So again, it says something different about him. That the way he even greets the people is important. I mean, it wouldn't highlight this if it wasn't important. Because this is the time of the judges when people did things their own way and often disregarded God. And Boaz greets the people and basically says, if you've been a long time Lutheran, it says something more like this. The Lord be with you. Okay, some of you have been a long time listening, you said, and also with you. Yeah, you know, he greets them and they respond. There, there is this greeting, but it's more than just a greeting. Again, it's highlighted because it's showing who this guy Boaz is. That God is definitely shaping his character, shaping his life. 
And so Boaz goes to the foreman as he's checking things out, and he, he looks over and he takes notice. There is someone he does not recognize. And whether, you know, this person he doesn't recognize, you know, is because she dresses a little bit differently, or whether maybe he just knew everybody that worked in, in his field, and maybe because, you know, they're, they're community members and stuff like that, we're not told, but he notices this woman. And so he asks the foreman, says, now, who is that over there? And the foreman's like, oh, you know, that's the Moabite woman. You know the one that came back to Bethlehem with Naomi? Yeah, and she came and asked if she could glean in the field. And so this shows, again, shows a lot about Boaz because the foreman, you know, didn't question Ruth doing this at all. He just said, she asked if she could glean in the field, and I said, oh, yeah, of course, because he knows his boss. He knows Boaz. And so she's gleaning in the field. Now, I don't know if you're familiar with gleaning is. The gleaning, you know, is, is picking up the scraps. Gleaning is, was a way that God really had established his people so that they would be, have a culture of generosity and that they would care for one another, especially those who were broken and desperate, the, the widows, the orphans, the foreigners. So the idea was that the harvesters would go through the field and pick out the grain, and then they were not supposed to go back and pick up every little single piece of grain they missed. They were to allow that to fall on the ground. And that those who had nothing could come and at least have a little something to survive on. Boaz takes notice of Ruth, and then he's, he's inquisitive. He, 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 he wants to know more. He's curious. And so, you know, he's asking more questions, and then he, he does even something just wow. He invites Ruth, like, hey, bring her over here. I, I want to talk with her. Now, the language sounds so formal here, but it, just the fact that he wants to have a conversation with her. And, and the power dynamics that could have played here, because this is a man in a patriarchal situation. And she is a foreigner, not only a foreigner, she's a Moabite. And he could have pay, played that power so well. But he invites her to come before him. And, and he's listening to her story, and, and, he's, and he's, you know, saying, I heard your story. I heard, you know, how you have, you know, followed your mother-in-law here. And then he, he does something even more. He begins, you know, this, this curiosity and, and hearing the story and, and what Ruth had done, he, he puts things into action. He says, you know, you are welcomed to, to glean from the fields. Not only that, I'm going to, you know, let you come and, and you can drink from our water. I mean, that sounds like a simple thing, doesn't it? But again, the fact that the author mentions it means it's a big deal. That Boaz is showing some kindness here, some generosity here. You can glean. You can come and drink from our water. And they invite you like, you know what? It's about lunchtime. Come on in. Come to the tent. Come on. You're going to have lunch with us. Hey, everyone, this is Ruth, you know, the Moabite. She's going to have lunch with us. And they, and they gather and they have lunch. You know, they, they have some grain and they have this. I, I really wonder what this is like, some kind of like sour wine. It'd be, usually it's a sweet wine, so it's probably several days old. And they use it kind of some like kind of a dip or something to eat it. Kind of think of like, you know, going to some of these Italian restaurants and having some balsamic vinegar and olive oil and some garlic and dipping your bread in there. Mmm, just good. And not only does she get to eat, she, she's got enough left over. She gets kind of like a doggy bag. She gets to have some extra. That's how, again, how kind, how generous Boaz is to this Moabite woman. 
And as he invites her, like, you know, hey, here, have some food, and, and you can drink with water, and, you know, come and, and, and glean from the fields. And she goes back out, you know, her tummy's full, because remember, you know, she's had nothing. And so she's eaten her fill and then some, and goes back out to glean some more. And then Boaz, Boaz, you know, turns to his foreman and says, all right, here's what I want you to do. You know, I want you to make sure that no men touch her, abuse her, that she is safe here on my field, that we will watch over her and protect her. And then I also want to make sure that you, as, as the harvesters come through, that not only do they not turn back and, and, you know, chase after that bit of grain that fell down, or chastise her, you know, give her a hard time, harass her because she's there. I want you to actually gather the bundles of barley. I want you to kind of, oops, oops, we dropped a few. Oh, well, we can't turn back. You then leave them behind for Ruth. And so Ruth, not only does she get to glean from the field, she gets to glean from the field, she's welcomed. And she can, you know, drink water from their source of water. She can, you know, eat lunch with them in their tent. She has protection so that nobody will harass her. She's safe. She's secure. And then Boaz goes the extra mile and makes sure that his harvesters leave extra for her. So Ruth gathers up what she's collected for the day. Now, there's a great Hebrew word in there. Don't worry about the Hebrew word, you know. But this is about how much grain she had. You know, kind of what she probably expected was a small handful of grain, enough for maybe a day's worth of eating for her and Naomi. And she's going back. You know, Naomi's been, you know, wondering all day long, how did Ruth do? Because remember, she's a Moabite. Things may not go well. She could be abused physically, sexually, harassed, you know, racially, ethnically. And she's kind of been wondering, like, how's Ruth doing? You know, is she okay? Is she going to bring something back? And here comes Ruth. And Ruth comes and Ruth has, you know, not just a small handful of grain. Ruth has the equivalent of about 30 pounds of grain. More than enough to eat for the day. More than enough to eat for several days. In fact, more than enough, they could probably sell some of the extra grain and have more resources. And, and Ruth has been invited to go back Again, the next day, and the day after that, and the day after that, because the harvest of uh, barley is usually kind of March, you know, February, March, March time frame, right about now, March, April, and then April, May gets into the wheat harvest, and so she's going to be there for a number of months. And Ruth brings this here, and she shares the leftover she has with Naomi, and Naomi gets to eat, and Naomi's like, just, wow, what's going on here? So let me just pause for a second. Let me ask you this question. When was the last time you were surprised by someone's generosity or kindness toward you? Just think about that for a moment. The last time you were surprised by someone's generosity or kindness. I mean, maybe it was in a really big way. Maybe it's just a real small action someone took. I know while our family was gone right after Christmas, I know there were some snowy days here. I know some neighbors, I don't know which neighbors they were, must have come and scooped up the snow that was in our sidewalks and driveway because it was gone. Just a small act of kindness, greatly appreciated. The last time that someone, you know, was kind to you, that you really were surprised by that. And that's what we see here 
with Naomi and Ruth. Let's read on. Uh, Ruth chapter 2, verse 20. Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, May the Lord bless him. The Lord hasn't stopped being kind to people living or dead. Now let's jump back really quick. Ruth chapter 1, you might remember this if you were here last week. Naomi's name means what? Pleasant. You know, like delightful, one who was blessed. And she came back to Bethlehem, you know, had Naomi with her, the harvest was going to start. People were like, oh, Naomi, you're back again. Where have you been? And she says, don't call me Naomi. Call me Mara, bitter, because God has cursed me. Look at the contrast here. From saying, I've been cursed by God, to saying, God has been kind. God hasn't stopped being kind to people living or dead. Wow. Let's just, again, we could just gloss over that, but, to, but to, to capture and see how Boaz's act of kindness changed Naomi's attitude, how it changed the situation for Naomi and, and Ruth. Boaz, who, who did more than just see Ruth over there, you know, he was inquisitive. He asked questions. And even at that, he acted on it. And, and then there's, there's a little bit something more here that, we do. again, we don't want to gloss over this. Second part of verse 20, this is what Naomi says. This is kind of the, the, like the climax of chapter 2. Let's read this together. Then Naomi told her, that man is a relative of ours. He is a close relative one of those responsible for taking care of us. And the more literal term there is kinsman redeemer. Kinsman redeemer. Now the kinsman redeemer, that res cultural responsibility usually fell to like, would have been one of the brothers of Elimelech, Naomi's husband. Or to one of the brothers of Ruth's husband. But his brother was dead. Elimelech evidently had either no brothers or they were all dead too. So Boaz is stepping in, even in a bigger way, of functioning as, acting as a kinsman redeemer, of one who shows kindness, one who just gives us a glimpse, a, a glimmer of really God's kindness towards us. You know, last week we talked about Cinderella. You know, Cinderella and the fairy godmother, because Cinderella had, you know, depending on what books or movies and stuff you, you watch, she's usually kind of in a ragged clothes. She's got the evil stepmother and evil stepsisters who wanted to go to the ball. And the fairy godmother waves her wand, and Cinderella looks beautiful and amazing. She goes before the prince. And the prince, of course, falls madly in love, chases after her, and eventually finds her. They live happily ever after. And the reality is how we often live our lives. That's how often we see God. Because the, the, often the fairy tales, you know, you have to, you know, show the prince that you are worth his wild. You have to show him, like, look, get me to pay attention to you. Boaz? Boaz didn't do that. He was paying attention because he saw someone. The prince says, impress me. Show me that you are worth my attention. Show me that you have something to offer me. The prince says, then maybe, possibly, there might be a chance, if you're lovely enough, if you wow me enough, I will choose you. See, Boaz, we see just the opposite. Again, Boaz becomes for us a picture of our God. 
Our God who says to you, to me, to each and every human being, I see you. God takes notice of you. God takes notice of you, and not, not notice of you because you wowed him in some way, or I wowed him in some way. He takes notice of you because he is a God of kindness, a God of grace and love. He's a God who says, I want to know you. God wants to know us. I mean, he's God, he knows us, but he wants to know us in a relational way. And he wants to bless you. Again, think about the prince. The prince, he stays, you know, in his palace, his castle, until the, you know, beautiful woman comes to him and she impresses him. And of course, in Cinderella, he chases after her. We have nothing to impress God with. And yet God demonstrates his love for us that while we had nothing to impress him with, he sent his son Jesus. That God steps into our world in Jesus because you are so worth the life of his son Jesus. You are so worth it. I'm so worth it. Not because of anything that we have done, even though we have failed to do so many things. Even though so many times we've acted like those people at the time of the judges, God loves. So one of the things that we have to think about that I think we often respond to is, one, we have to stop trying to deserve God's love. We can't. And we have to stop trying to earn God's love because, you know what? We can't. And we have to stop trying to be good enough because we can't. Like Ruth, receive Boaz's kindness, so we receive God's kindness. God's kindness to us in Jesus. And if we're going to be all about growing in Jesus and sharing his love, that's what we say Holy Seaver is all about, then you know, we, we need to understand that we need to believe that we need to hold on to that. We need to let that shape our lives, to shape our lives in our relationship with God and shape our lives in relationship to one another and in relationship to those as we go out from here this morning. So here's something I want you to think about as we um, kind of wrap things up. For what can you give thanks to God this day? For what can you give thanks to God this day? Maybe it's for the kindness of a neighbor, a friend, a stranger, a coworker, a classmate, classmate. But also think about this. I'm giving you a 284-day head start on Thanksgiving. Because it's not the only day, the only moment that we say thanks to God. So take this opportunity this week to say, God, thank you for the little things and the big things and everything in between. And God, thank you. Thank you that especially you took notice of me. You were so curious that you wanted to know me. And that what you did, you stepped in and you acted on that love, that curiosity in sending Jesus. Let's pray. Lord God, we give you thanks and praise for the gift of your amazing grace and love. We pray that you bless us, Lord, as we celebrate this love. And that we would bless others for the kindness that you've shown us. In your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. For more information about Holy Savior, including service times and location, please visit holysavior.org. Thanks for listening, and until next time, God bless.